going to see if I can do something. I've never done this before. Slideshows, PowerPoints, whatever you want to call them. I maybe didn't tell you about the time I used an overhead projector and circled the wall in a church hall in Donegal, yes, with a felt-tip pen because I didn't realize it was... Anyway, this could all go pear-shaped. Can we... Here we are, not in Northern Ireland, as it suggests there. Let me explain what I've been doing for the last two weeks, and then I want to share some of it, just some of it. If Janice wanted to book me for maybe the Friday morning fellowship, who knows, I might come and uh, do uh, a bit longer, but the chances of that are slim, um, I would think. But anyway, um, I want to take you on a bit of a journey. Um, For those who are unaware, even in Fitzroy, and for those who are visitors, I've been in Uganda for the last um, two weeks or so with Fields of Life, the organization that we tied our uh, halls out here to build a school in northwest Uganda. Sadly, I didn't get to Arua on this trip. Um, session kindly allowed me <coughs> eight weeks sabbatical this year. I'm taking the most of that in the summer and applying through the church to do a six-week sabbatical in Uganda. The girls are coming for part of that, and the team will be out as part of that as well from Fitzroy here. <coughs> but I got to go in these two weeks because as part of that sabbatical, I'm going to help with the memoirs of Trevor Stevenson, who you can see in the distance, <coughs> away up in the corner there. I wish you could see the clock, <coughs> because the clock on the left is stopped at 10.10. And unfortunately, somebody noticed, because when I went up in the afternoon to take the photograph, they'd taken it down because it wasn't working. I thought it was working perfectly. But anyway, uh, <coughs> Trevor um, founded Fields of Life 25 years ago, uh, and has no idea when he founded it what he would be celebrating on the 25th anniversary. Although this, uh, there was a two-day teacher conference where uh, a teacher or a head and the person on the management committee or who runs the schools would come down um, to, uh, we were out in Makuna near uh, Kampala um, for two days for all kinds of seminars that would be helpful to them as they develop their schools. Um, In the left here of the Northern Ireland, I just thought that was lovely to have a Northern Ireland a sweatshirt or a top and beside on the, the left of her in the photograph is Pastor Joel from Onelakgu and Nasan who's the, the head of Onelakgu they were down for the two days so um, I want to tell you just some of the stories that I saw my idea was to go out and go to some of the places in Trevor's memoir that, that um, I could maybe help him to um, describe better or get into the story and um, we did that but the first two days as I say were at this conference very nice um, accommodation. It's a, a, a technical school, vocational school. Um, it's a, a place for conferences set up by uh, a woman who at 60 years of age went out from Austria to set it up. She's 78 now. Uh, and it's an amazing place. This is Nassan um, to the left and, um, and to, to my right, but left as you look, and Joel on the other side. Um, those are the Onelakgu team. And um, I was just saying to Nassan here, uh, Bishop Arumbi, who was over at the Bangor Convention, I know at least Albert went to see him at the Bangor Convention last year, the uh, former Archbishop of Uganda was the main speaker at uh, the two events, and he lives in West Nile, where our school is, and he was very excited to hear about Onelakgu Primary, and he said to me, you've got to get me to introduce, you, introduce the next day to, to the guys from Onelakgu. So I was just before this photograph sharing with Nassan that the Archbishop wanted to see him, he said, he was at college with me and I was his prefect. So uh, that's a really big link for us um, in Onelakgu that um, a very influential archbishop might spend, um, well, I'm hoping for maybe a day with us um, this summer. It was the 25th anniversary, um, and you can see Richard Spratt to the left here. 
Um, those and there's many fields of life people uh, jot around. You were all mentioned. John McMullen was called the Doctor of Healing. That's pretty impressive, McMullen, uh, during these uh, talks. And uh, uh, June and Claire and David and all, many of you were mentioned at different times in the conversation. This is the cake. They love cake. Boy, do they love cake. Everything happens with the cutting of cake. And the alumni have uh, sent off some potters there, uh, poppers there. This was the 25th anniversary celebration. And at a 25th anniversary celebration, it's the time to meet a beauty queen, Gloria, who was one of the first choirs that came to Northern Ireland. She was a sponsor child um, with uh, Fields of Life. She's now Miss Northern Tourism Uganda. And um, I thought, a beauty queen. There were pop stars, there were entrepreneurs. And then in the middle is Pastor Deo, who is the pastor in the worst slum in Kampala called Kosovo. And uh, so you were meeting beauty queens, you were meeting pastors and slums, and this for me was the, the real inspiration of the trip. Um, we went out to the very first school. This was the first Fields of Life school that was built, uh, Fields of Life Academy. They call it FOLA. And um, all four of those adults there um, were some of the first kids to come through the school gates the first morning. Um, basically, Trevor gone out. He was a, a farmer. He became a curate in the Anglican church. He went out to help on a project near his school and doing farming. Uh, that project didn't really work, so he got his own farm just around this area here. This was part of the farm. He tried to get a farm going that really failed as well. But uh, the LC1, the local councillors, came to him one day and said to him, we need a school here. So they built a school, and he says, in the first morning it was misty, and I was going, there's nobody going to come to this school. This is the worst white elephant we've ever built. And these were some of the first people that came through. Uh, Caleb, who works now for Fields of Life, Goretti, who was over um, with the, the storytellers, Josephine, who spoke and preached to us right here. There's more of her in a moment. And then Bob's still around that area. But we come out to see the school, and Caleb there is talking about his classroom and what it was like to be in that school. On the way out, we met some of the grannies. Interestingly, grandmothers, not so much mothers. And this was Goretti's grandmother, who kept looking at Trevor and saying, young man, young man. The young man's here again, the young man, which I think for Trevor was quite a compliment um, and uh, made all the, the alumni um, uh, laugh and giggle. But meeting those people who, uh, Goretti's mother, <coughs> at five years of age, even then she wanted an education, but her father said, you're a girl, we need you to work, you're not getting an education. So Goretti's grandmother never had an education. And that's why she was so... Um, uh, keen that Goretti would get to um, have an education and then be sponsored by Fields of Life and, uh, and change her life. Josephine was here um, and spoke during the storytellers. She told us about the nine children she looked after. And so I was determined to go and see this place. Um, nine children off the street and we got a, the privilege of having them sing to us and pray with us. And uh, here, here they are. I think there's one missing and we have young Alex in the Sarah Mason t-shirt um, that I think maybe come out of our attic um, on the left with a sky blue t-shirt. He's the boy. Can't stay with them, obviously, because of um, all those uh, child, uh, child protection rules. But he comes during the day and hangs out with Josephine, who basically is running a small orphanage. Um, she found some of these girls under the bridge, uh, just sleeping under the bridge. She tried to find out who they are. She goes to the Kampala Council. She finds out who they are and then gets the permission to take them home and to look after them. She herself does some embroidery, fashion, um, that kind of thing. Um, but she's just a, a young woman who something was given to her and she is now looking after her. And it's quite a well-built house, it has to be said. But in two rooms, these uh, 
eight kids sleep. Um, <clears throat> Josephine has a room for herself, little living room, little kitchen. But my goodness, this woman can do amazing things. And we found out while we were there that a lot of the alumni, a lot of the other pupils do give money. There's a guy we met <clears throat> who is now um, a billionaire, one of the students from um, uh, Grace High School, one of the colleagues of Josephine. He's a billionaire. He started selling maize and now he makes 30 uh, million shillings. Uh, that's not as much as it is here, obviously, uh, a month. And so I know that he um, helps Josephine a lot and getting flour and maize and all the things that she might need to look after the children. But here is just a young girl saying, what can I give back? None of her, our houses are as small as hers. She's taken in nine kids just because you can. We went down to see Dale in, um, <clears throat> in Kosovo, the slum. Dale was a, um, a child from the street. Uh, he came to faith. He wanted to go back into his community and build a church. And so um, he did just that. His son, uh, on the other side of him there, had just got his P7 results. They do the same kind of tests as us and had just got a good grade. And we were giving him the bumps and all kinds of things here. But Dale went back into his community and decided he would set up a little bank. So there were people coming in to put money into the bank to do some savings. Um, He set up some entrepreneurial things and Fields of Life um, came along one day because he said he wanted a school. And Trevor said he came along into the school grounds where we were. It was lashing with rain. I mean, it was equatorial rain when we were there. Um, But uh, there was just a latrine built and he couldn't find Dale. And then he realized that Dale, the pastor, was at the bottom of the latrine digging out the latrine. And Trevor said he didn't even look at the application. He said, if this pastor's prepared to dig out his own latrines, we're going to find them the money for a school. And one of the guys at the school was Levixen. He sang at the Storytellers. He is the uh, gospel, um, the, he's just won the best gospel singer in East Africa, not just Uganda, but East Africa. He's nominated for the best gospel singer in Africa this year. Um, he is a performer. And he was a homeless child in Kosovo. And he showed us as we were going around uh, the place where the pool table was that he slept underneath. And Pastor Dale told us that uh, Levixen came in one day to play soccer. He was 10 years of age and he came into the, the school grounds to play soccer. And he showed us a photograph that I know Levixen doesn't want on the cover of his next album. He had hardly any clues at all. He was just wearing a rag over his body. And he started to play football. And, uh, and so <clears throat> Pastor Dale went and got alongside him and they got him to be a sponsored child with Fields of Life. And now Levixen is... Um, the best gospel singer uh, in the whole of East Africa. But he's a better human being than he is a singer. And I think he's an amazing singer. He took us, he told us he started 92 Hands with another friend of his, 92 being the year they were born. And they do all kinds of food stuff out to Kosovo. They had a big, big Christmas food thing where everybody came in, they were able to get lots of food. And he said as, as part of that project, he went out one afternoon and he discovered this woman living in this with her family. They were living in this with their family because their house had been washed away in recent rains. And so Levixen said, I couldn't allow people to live there. So I got together with my friends and we built her a house. This is the house that the best gospel singer in East Africa mixed the cement and got a builder down to help them to build a house for a woman who had no home. These are the things that the graduates of Fields of Life schools do. He's a pop star. He's all over the radio. And yet he still lives in Kosovo. He still helps the people in his community. And at the 25th anniversary, he introduced us to Kev Alax. And Kev Alax was in prison. He was in one of the worst gangs in Kosovo. He ended up in prison for all kinds of islands. And while he was in prison, he heard one of Levixen's songs on the radio. And when he came out of prison, he went searching for Levixen. 
And now Levixen has taken him under his wing. He's come to faith in Christ um, as well. And he's now singing with Levixen. And I said to Levixen, how was that? And he said, the most frightening part was the first week when he came to live with me. Because he had nowhere to stay. So he said, just come and stay with me. And he said, that first week was a bit nervous. Because there's this renowned gang leader in uh, Kosovo who's come to stay with me. And I imagine what it might be like when Paul arrived up. And uh, <clears throat> Peter, you know, people were being told to go and, go and check that, Peter, uh, that Paul guy out. And, um, and how relationships built up. But this is what pop stars do in the slums of Uganda. We then went to see the next day. It was basically, every day was just stories of incredibly overwhelming transformation. When I was at the conference, I, re- I was asked to preach. It was uh, an honor of my life to do uh, the preach in the middle of the day. And I realized as I was preaching that most times you're preaching to get you guys to go and do something. And suddenly I was in a place where actually these people had all done incredible things. And the aspirations that we have for people's lives had been attained. And you were in the middle of communities and people like Levixen or Pastor Deo, who had just literally transformed thousands of people and communities. And, and so what we did then after the conference is that uh, Trevor and I went to see different people, went to see different schools that the uh, Fields of Life had built. Um, this was Annette in uh, Bethel Royal School, up in Nagasangola, which is my favorite word in the entire world. Nagasangola. I was, we drive past it every year to Arua, and I just was so delighted to stop in Nagasangola until I got out of the van, and it was about 37 degrees, and I thought, Nagasangola is hot, man. But anyway, we met Annette. You drive into the school, and you pass one dorm that is... Um, Rafu Royal, then you have Dungannon Royal, then, so the, all the royal schools in Ireland and Northern Ireland have funded, Ireland, Rafu's and Donegal, have funded different parts of the school, so it's Bethel Royal. And Annette told us her story. She grew up in a family where her father abused her, um, she was then abused outside of the family at 14, she'd had a baby at 14, life was really miserable, life was as bad as life could get, she hated school because she was abused at school. And she didn't want to be a teacher and she didn't want to do any of these things. Annette today is not only running a school, but she has 30 kids that are under her care. Um, So she is a little orphanage on the school. If that's not enough, the school produces about 80% of the food that they eat on the school and the farm that the children in the school grow and develop all kinds of things around about. If that's not enough, there are 60 houses in the community that the pupils from the school have built for people who were living in bad conditions. This woman, 14 abused, had a child, everything in her life was wrong. And now today, you just look around, you look across the horizon at this school and the stuff outside the school, and you think, this is aspiration attained. Then we went up, I was thinking about the Gregg family, because they bounced about in Uganda one year. This was bouncing about. We went to a place called Karamuja. This is the road in. You can see right here, that's, that's the center of the car. And I'm saying, Keith, where are you taking us? And... Um, uh, we're going into Karamoja, which is probably the poorest part of Uganda. When we went up uh, to Arua in 2015, we were told that the British, uh, said, the British government said it was okay to go to Arua, but it definitely wasn't okay to go east. The, the restrictions in going to Karamoja were only lifted in October, and I'm only telling Janice that now. Um, they were only lifted in October. And, uh, and here we were going to Karamoja, um, which uh, is, uh, in fact, if any of the teams have been before, last year's team when we went to the Indira Centre to see the dances, they're all warriors. They all walk around with sticks. And I'm thinking, what are they carrying the sticks for? It's for, for warriors. It's to beat the hide out of you if they get half a chance. They're, they're, it's an incredible place. Really, really poor. 
really quite beautiful in the landscape, lots of mountains around about, but this is the poorest part of the world that I've ever been in. I've been in the south of the Philippines in Mindanao, but there was something about Mindanao, even in its poverty, where there was fertile land. You can see how dry and barren Karamuja is. Very, very difficult place to be. And we were there because the alumni to the left here, Grace is, uh, calls me uncle, and I'm very proud of that, and the girls' sisters, and Janice, Auntie, and uh, Leah, and Sam, uh, and Moses. They were four of the alumni. The alumni of Fields of Life, so those who'd left, created an association, and they decided they wanted to give something back. So what they've been doing, and what the Storytellers Tour was all about, is fundraising to build a school in Karamuja, the poorest part of Uganda. And so we get up there, and as you can see right here, um, Trevor has got one of these, uh, he's introducing the alumni to them who've uh, funded the school that we were digging the fountain, we were making the groundbreaking that particular day. And you get there, sorry, I want to get back, and will they let me get back? Uh, they, they give you one of these blanket things. They're from Kenya. So it's 37 degrees. You're hot enough as it is. And then just for the protocol, they wrap you in one of these. And uh, I decided to get myself out of the sun and got myself out of the sun. And a TV cameraman came over and he says, oh, I see you've got yourself out of the sun. And I said, yeah, I've got myself out of the sun. He said, would you answer me a few questions? I said, well, I'm just standing here under a tree. He said, could you come out of under the tree to take the questions? I'm going, you know I'm under the tree to not get suntanned or sunburned or whatever it is. And um, there we are, Karamuja. These were the people across from where we were. They didn't come too close to us even. Very colorful, incredibly poor, lots of bloated bellies. There was a dog running around that I do not know how it was even alive. It was so thin. And there's only 20% of the people the Karamuja who go to school. 20% go to school. So what the alumni have done have decided they would raise money in order to build a school. The next day we went to Kadara, um, let me get this right, Kadaramaido, uh, which is another great word if you can say it properly. And uh, most of the places you take about three hours to try and say them, Keith goes over it in the car and then you do it. This is Lois. Lois is 75 years of age. And she sat at the feet of Trevor. Uncle T, they call Trevor. He's a real legend in Uganda. And she sat at his feet because that's the thing to do when you want to give people thanks. And Trevor's very uneasy with it because it's not in our culture to have women sitting at your feet, holding your hand, giving you this thanks. Lois pointed to the distance and in her language translated for us. She told us that she had to walk about seven or eight miles there and then seven or eight miles back to get water every day. It was the water that the cows drink. She's been doing it for 75 years. And today, this day that we were there, She was going to find water. We have just found water. When I say we, you understand it's the guys around me. But water had just come through the earth at 34 meters. They were expecting to dig for 70. Charles, one of the diggers who was here, one of the drillers, and says hello to Fitzroy. He said, Steve, there's an abundance of water down here. This community are not going to know themselves. Lewis is closest to that well. For 75 years, she waited for water. And because of these guys who go out for almost 11 months of the year to try and find water, they've built 700, 700 um, different wells all around Uganda. And there, uh, so many people are being blessed by these fields of life water drillers. That's what the community thinks. There's a Wulu letter, a Wulu letter. I had discovered the name for this. The woman in the green hair, that's not her hair, and all the color, she has this Wulu, 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 Wulu. 
Now, when we go onto the play, the playground in Onelaku, uh, one of the wee cooks always does it to me. They're called Wulu letters. They just the excitement, the high pitched scream, and they were dancing and playing music with whatever they could find because for them, this was their lives transformed as a result of Fields of Life's water drillers. This is me back in the apartment in Kampala, a very nice apartment, it has to be said, trying to give the story of all this that I'd seen, trying to take Trevor's story and make it into something that we might all read. And here's the thing that I want to share with you this morning after all of that. Being around people who've attained their aspirations or are attaining for people aspirations is an incredibly inspiring place to be. And at the start of the week, the first week, at the teacher's conference, uh, Trevor Stevenson spoke about the parable of the sower. Now, Trevor was taking a a more evangelistic look at the passage. He'd been quoting Bill Hybels, who'd talked about the percentage of the seed that didn't work or the percentage of the seed that did work. And he was encouraging all the teachers and all the Fiends of Life staff to, to grow more or throw more seed, because the more seed, the more chance you have of it hitting the fertile ground. But for the next 10 days, as I watched these stories unfold before me, as I spent time with Josephine, as I spent time with Pastor Dale, as I spent time with Levixen, as I went out there to meet the people in Karamoja that will get education for the very first time, as I had the opportunity to just sit with Lois the first day she ever got water, and as I saw this transformation happening all around me, I did ask the question, now please listen to it good because it comes first to me and then it goes next to you. I kept thinking, what is it about these people that can make this kind of transformation in their lives and communities. They do not have what we have. First thing I'm very aware of, Annette, and all the abuse she had when she was young, Levixen, living as a street kid and dealing with all the violence that he saw and had to deal with. Kev Lax, who's just out of prison and is now off singing and changed, transformed. And I'm thinking about these Josephine who grew up in a place where her grandmother had no education. And she got a chance through Fields of Life schools to have an education and then transform the lives of all these kids that she has in her home. I'm struggling with two that are mine. She's got nine that she's found under bridges, that she's found in incredibly difficult places. And she's able to put something into their lives. She doesn't have our education. They don't have our resources. And I was thinking about peace in Ireland and I was thinking, these people have dealt with carnage in their lives. They've dealt with all kinds of wars, whether you go back to Amin or you think about Coney, and we were up in Coney country in Kadaramaidu. What is going on that these people have their resources within themselves to respond to the word of God and the challenge of the word of God to go and reach other people and transform other people? What do they have that I don't have? That was my question. Everywhere we went, and we were on some roads, but I'll tell you about that another time. When you're on the road for five hours, and Trevor, Steve, there was humor. It was great humor. We were in the dark for three hours. You should never be in the dark anywhere. We were in the dark for three hours. And the first hour, the humor was, ha-ha, it was good fun. And then I could tell the humor had gone to, we are frightened here, humor. And then the last hour, there was silence. And then Trevor says, in 25 years in Fiends of Life, this is the most frightened I have ever been. And Keith next to him says, in my 11 years working for Fiends of Life, I have never been so worried. And I'm in the back thinking, are you giving me confidence, guys? So we'll tell you about those stories maybe some other time or they'll slip into sermons or whatever else. But uh, on these journeys, all I could think about was the fertility of the soil in my life that responds to the word of God. 
Because Josephine's, I have no doubt, she just responds. The drillers just go out and they live out there. They live under canvas night after night after night to change people's lives. Pastor Dale is a clever, intelligent, really good preacher. He doesn't need to be in the Kosovo slum. He could be somewhere else doing it. Levixen has the ability to be worldwide. And he said to us in the last day, he said to Trevor, he said, Trevor, I don't need to believe in Kosovo. So when I get all these people in the West who are interested in my music, I can't leave Kosovo. I can't leave the slum. Because these are my people and I need to change my people. I need to be here to transform my people. And I'm thinking, what is it? What is it when they hear the word of God and when they decide to follow Jesus? What is it that they have in the soil that the seed is sown in that causes this attainment almost immediately? Or at least within 25 years, Trevor Stevenson has 200 schools all over East Africa, has all these wells all across Uganda, and you're thinking about transformed lives. And I couldn't help but thinking about my own life. Is it shallow? Is it shallow because I, it can be? I don't need to worry about the next meal. I don't need to worry about the roads. I do, but not in the same way. When they say journey mercies, they mean journey mercies. When you're driving through some of the places that we drove through, the grace of God at times is maybe the only thing that might get you through. Is that why... They have a depth of soil. Is it because they're more dependent? They have more need. And we've just got shallow because we can do it ourselves. We can think for ourselves. We can get stuff for ourselves. We can do it for ourselves. We don't really need to pray that much about it. Even when we do pray, we're not that dependent on God because we know that our abilities or the resources we have can achieve it. What are the thorns that come in to choke the seed that's sown in my life? What are the things that come in to distract me? Is it the God of leisure that we have? For as I've said before, we live for our vacations instead of our vocations. Is it because we allow these other things or people's questions or whether we're cool or relevant or whatever these other things are that choke us? Because Josephine doesn't have the time for any of those things in her life. She, she can't be thinking about trying to attain wealth or she can't be thinking about how to deal with she just has to trust she just has to say god i need to weed the garden of my life or my life and these children's lives are going to be nothing annette with all the children that have come through bethel royal with all the graduates of all the fields of life schools they're there because people are not wrestling with culture well they are but in a different way than we are and i just couldn't help but thinking as it says in the parable that our wealth and our need for wealth and our dependence on wealth and our wrestling for wealth are the things that have stopped the word of God being allowed to do in us what I saw it do in others. I didn't believe that these people had changed things when I was at the 25th anniversary. I knew because they were all there. Beauty queens and pop stars and entrepreneurs and fashion people. People working in banks, people working in law. People who would have been nowhere had somebody here not sponsored them, had they not got to a school, had Trevor Stevenson not stumbled one foot to the other. Trevor won't mind me saying this if he's listening, because I said it at the 25th anniversary. But in 1992, if God had come down to Ireland and said, I'm wanting to pick somebody who's going to do fields of life, you can know him. You wouldn't have picked Trevor. And he didn't even know what he was being picked for. 
He went to start a farm because he knew about that. He didn't go to start a school. Didn't think there would be two schools. He didn't think there'd be three schools. And I sat beside him the day of the 25th anniversary and communities were up thanking him for how their communities were transformed. And individuals were up telling them where they were now that they would never have been. And I remember looking at him and saying, he's a farmer. I remember looking at him and saying, could you ever have dreamt of this harvest? All Trevor had was almost a deep, naive almost depth of soil in his life that when God asked him to go he went and he tumbled and stumbled the next few steps and allowed God to sow seed in his life that had brought a harvest that it's a privilege to see and the challenge for me is how do we start to make those changes here. Yes, we have made those changes here. Yes, people can write books and Ken has about what Fitzroy's achieved. But I can't help thinking that in my life, it's still too shallow, too much wrestling with thorns to do what the Josephines, the Deos, the Annettes, the Levixens, the Trevor Stevensons, the Fields of Life staff are doing to change the world. Let's join them and let's allow our, the soil of our souls to be ready for the word of God to change us. Let's pray together. Lord, Annette, that headmistress in Bethel Royal, said to me, no hope is a big illness. No hope is a big illness. And so she goes about giving people hope people who had hopeless situations like hers who found hope Lord we pray that you would give us hope hope that we sitting in this pew or standing behind this reading desk might believe that you can do things through us to bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven give us hope for our country that's in this inertia this void give us hope for the future Give us hope for what this congregation can achieve in this neighborhood and beyond. Give us hope for our school in Onelaku that the wonderful grades they got this year can only improve in the years that are to come. Give us hope in India with what Safara do. Hope in Spain with Stephen. Hope in Argentina with STS. Hope in Peter Maritzburg with Sheena and Alan. Hope in London with Carl. Lord, we pray that you would give us hope And that you would help us to make sure that when the seed is sown in our lives, when you call us to offer ourselves every Sunday morning in Fitzroy for the week ahead, that the soil would be fertile enough for us to be able to take it and for it to grow so that we might bring kingdom things here the way I watch people doing with less than us in Uganda. Lord, may having too much materialism not give us less faith Help us to find your kingdom and know the other things will be added. Lead us, guide us, send us out to change the world. In Jesus' name, amen.